and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Thank you, church family. It's an honour to be asked once again to um, bring a bring a word, bring a message to you this morning. Did anybody notice I bought my water bottle up without a lid on it? We're going to be talking a little bit about goals today. And um, have you noticed Josh when he's got a microphone in one hand and he picks up the bottle and unscrews the lid and has a sip um, of his water? I thought, I've still got the training wheels on. I'm not quite there. So that's, that's one of my goals that one day I'll be able to get up here with the cap on. And, uh, but yeah, still got the training wheels on. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to start, this morning I just had about 10 minutes before we left and I, I thought I'll just relax a bit and read a chapter out of the book I've been reading, which is a story, it's called Dispatches from the Front and it's uh, written by a guy who goes to some of the most hostile and um, uh, remote places where, where Christians are, are doing, building Christ Church. And I, I read this paragraph this morning and it just fits in so beautifully with what um, Ben was talking about, what's happening in Germany. So um, there's a c- couple of paragraphs there, but it's kind of an encouragement to me this morning up the front, but it's also just this beautiful story about, about a, um, a lady in Mongolia, would you believe? So I'll pick up here, he writes, Six months ago, Nasho's husband divorced her. Abandoning, abandoning her and their eight-year-old son. As she walked out of the court where she was given divorce notification, overwhelmed by hopelessness, she met a Christian who shared the good news that she, she too had only recently heard and believed. Nasho trusted Christ right there. She said, this is the worst day of my life. No, sorry. The, the worst day of my life has become the best day of my life. The group of believers that gather in her cramped apartment has grown from four to 40 in six months. That's tenfold, people. Who is the preacher, I asked? Whoever has a Bible. Do you know how to preach? No, I just know how to read the Bible. How did the church grow so quickly? I don't know. They just come. These people don't even know the terms church planting or soul winning. They just know that Jesus Christ has given them new life. And the news is too good to keep. The gods they served and feared are no, long, are no more than they appear, just wood and stone. So it is acts in action, lived out in marvellous ignorance of methods and machinery as the wind of the Spirit sweeps over Mongolian plains. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to be in that place, just being ignorant of the ways of man, but just allowing your Spirit to sw- continue, continue to sweep over our hearts this morning as we just enjoy your fellowship here. Amen. So, just to launch off this morning, I'm going to actually start with, a, with another story. And um, we're continuing with this series that we've been unpacking for a little while that's found in 2 Peter 1.5. But just to sort of set the scene, I'd really like to talk to a little bit about a story that relates to my, my daughter Gabby And if you could sort of soak this up a little bit, because I'm going to be referring back to it from time to time, so sort of just drink it in. Um, Our daughter Gabby has become quite the adventurous one. I don't know where she gets that from. (laughs) 
Anybody who knows me well knows that I'm a bit of an adventure junkie. And uh, her day job in Brisbane is um, climbing or taking groups climbing up the Story Bridge. And so she's developed quite a passion for, for heights and climbing. And so the church that she's got connected with, their young, young adults group have got this uh, leader in it and he loves cliff climbing. And so every, almost every Saturday morning they go down to Kangaroo Point and they set up there and they climb various different degrees of um, the cliffs there. There's, all, there's some fairly easy ones and there's some really difficult ones. So um, that's a picture of my, da- my daughter Gabby about half to three quarters of the way up um, this climb. And um, she managed to get um, Dom and I down there one morning and we met there um, with our son Blake and we did one climb and we did it fairly easily and so the this guy who's the real expert climber said, oh, you did that too easy, so he moved us up to this one. And um, I can remember standing at the bottom, not having a lot of faith about it, and so he's, he's geared us up and we climbed up. And I only managed to get about three-quarters of the way up. I didn't quite make it to the top, and I just couldn't get past this point, so I gave up and they lowered me back down. And Blake also, my son, had to go, and he didn't quite make it to the top. And then it was Gabby's turn. Now, as you can probably imagine, she's not quite as tall or not quite as, um, hasn't got quite as much strength as I have being female, but we watched her go up with relatively, relative ease. There was a couple of tricky points, but she managed to get to the top. And uh, you can imagine the, the grin on her face when she came down that she'd beaten her dad and her older brother. She was just so chuffed. She was trying to hide it, but it was written all over her face. But... It, didn't relate to her, her strength or, or her height, obviously, because Bake and I both have more of that. It related to her skills. She had a certain, um, a, a certain kit of skills that helped her to reach the top of that cliff. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit today, the skills that can take us to certain places. And so um, just sort of drink that up a little bit because I'm going to refer back to it. Um, from time to time. All right, so the scripture is Peter 1, to, sorry, 2 Peter 1 to 5. And if you don't mind, I'm going to take the time to read it from start to finish, right down to somewhere around about 10. And it reads like this. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For who, for who, for he, sorry, who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Gabby's goal was to reach the top of that cliff, Al's reading this scripture, what, what it sets in mind for me, my goal, 
first up is to just obey God because he mentions that word or those words all diligence at the start. So I don't know, just I suppose because I love my heavenly father, I really want to do what he asks. So it's my goal primarily to obey him and he's talking about giving it all diligence or all effort. So that's something I really want to do. But reading a little bit further down, it also mentions um, the concept of being unfruitful or barren. And, and so that's something I really, really want to avoid in my life. So another goal I have when I read that scripture is that I really want to be fruitful um, in the things of God's kingdom and, and this life that I'm living. So it's interesting also, another goal that... When we get to the end of that scripture, it talks about an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. And, and that kind of threw me a little bit because I, I thought, well, we know our entrance into God's kingdom is by faith. And, and at first of all, I thought, what's the link there between our own effort and these um, things we've been told to add to our faith and entering into the kingdom of God? And um, this is the way God reveal to me that concept that he's um, speaking about there where it says an abundant entrance. I'm going to make this bit of an a- analogy. Um, who here has um, enjoys a nice dessert? Okay, there's a few there. That's good. I really enjoy a nice dessert myself. And one of my favorite desserts is sticky date pudding. <laughs> yeah, okay. Some people are relating to that. So, yep, Ben, he's a lover of sticky date pudding and I really enjoy it and it comes out and you know you're doing dessert when it comes out and um, it's all hot and steamy and sweet, lovely dessert. But when you get that sauce poured on the top of it, now you're starting to talk abundant dessert. (laughs) It's not just dessert. So if I can relate that to our entrance into the kingdom of God, we, we know that we have this entrance into the kingdom of God that's purely based on his gift, faith and grace. But I don't exactly know what an abundant entry looks like, but I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be sticky date pudding with, with the sauce on top, abundant dessert, abundant entry. And so if you're lacking a little bit of motivation, um, there's, a, there's a few there. And um, Yes, an abundant entrance. So that's something to look forward to. Okay, so I don't think there can be any question that um, God's into this goal-setting concept a little bit. And one of the key scriptures we've been looking at in talking about um, this idea that I'm going to be talking about today, we've touched on faith, we've touched on virtue and knowledge, and today we're actually moving on to self-control. And one of the concepts that we were connecting with that idea was that um, self-control is somehow connected to having a goal. And uh, one, of those, one of the scriptures that emphasizes that is the one that's found in 2, I think it's 2 Corinthians, back in 2 Corinthians 9.24, that talks about that scripture, I'm sure most of you are familiar with it. Do you not know that those who run a race, do you not know that those who run in a race all run but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. If that's not a scripture on goal setting, I don't know what is. You know, it's talking about 
setting your sight on, on winning the race, not just being happy with mediocrity. And I've been, I've been coming to this church for a few decades now, so I know quite a few of you quite well, and I'm fairly comfortable in saying most of you, if not all of you, are not just here to warm seats. And that's something that I really enjoy about fellowshipping with you, that when I talk to you, I get the idea that you really want to be fruitful in, the, in God's kingdom and, 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 and um, have that goal of, of wanting to go on in the things that God's calling us, like Gabby standing at the bottom of that cliff and looking up and saying, the top's where I want to end up. And I get that feeling from you people that that's a, a similar um, attitude that you have to your Christian faith, that you're not happy with just getting halfway up, you want to go all the way. And so I encourage you to continue with that, that attitude and that concept. So, self-control. Now, don't go slipping down into your seat, people, because I know self-control has a little bit of a negative concept. We've all had, um, we've all had probably, not so much me, but I know there's a lot of people out there would have had failed diet plans or failed um, exercise programs, and so it does carry a little bit of a negative concept, the idea of, of self-control. But just want to hit on that as we go along and see if we can um, lessen that, that negative feelings. So, quick look at this guy here, trying to exercise a little bit of self-control. And I know, I suppose it's a good way to relate it to you is to talk about how that that impinges on my life. And we've all got areas, I'm sure, that can very quickly think about when you mention the word self-control, straight away your mind goes to something and thinks, okay, yeah, I know I've been trying to get a handle on that for years now, but I don't seem to be getting a breakthrough. For me, one of the areas that I've struggled with is impatience. And I know you're probably thinking, no, come on. (laughs) Not mild-mannered, Michael, no. But for those that have had... Um, a bit to do with me, know that I can flare up pretty easy and it's an area that um, I really want to um, submit to God and, and exercise more self-control on. And so um, I'm sure we can all relate to one or, more, one or two more areas in our life where thinking, yes, that's not really fitting into or enhancing the goals that I want to achieve for my life and I'd like to get some self-control in that area. So... I want to really try and emphasise or just hit on two major points today that I think um, for me and possibly for you might help um, just add this concept. This I'm, I'm going to call it a skill because it, it helps relate back to the idea of Gabby climbing the cliff, that she had this skill set. But as we know, they're not really skills. They're more fruit of the spirit. But... Um, I can talk and relate to that way. It might help us keep that mental picture. All right, so my first major point, I'm just going to read it out here, reads like this. I, I get the strong feeling when I read that scripture too, Peter, that how we live life after saving faith really matters to God, greatly affecting this life and the one to come. So when you read through that scripture, we see that when we add these things to our Christian faith, that they help us overcome that um, being barren or unfruitful. So I think that they add that aspect to our walk and also it talks about 
um, gaining that abundant entrance into the, the everlasting kingdom. So I think I can't help but think that those uh, that that this is really important to God, and, and as, as I've just said, that that's going to have a, a fairly Im, Im big impact on this life and the one to come. So to me, that's that's motivation in itself to see. Um, how important it is to my Heavenly Father. The other one I wanted to touch on, the other major point that I want to touch on is just simply this, very simple statement, but it's got a a bit of depth to it, and that it it is doable. These things that God's asking us to do, these um, um, life skills or fruit of the Spirit, I believe they are doable. And um, I can, if I can think, some people can almost read your minds and I'm sure some people are thinking, you don't really know the background I've come from. Okay, I've come from, I'm not talking about myself, but I'm sure that some people are thinking, it's easy for you to stand up there and say it's doable. But I've been brought up in a violent home where all I saw from young age to this stage of my life was violence. And so... The idea of getting self-control over my temper is too far out there for me to reach and I get a bit offended by you just saying it's doable because you don't know what I've been through and that's too high, high a goal for me. And I can relate to what you're saying there and it's very true to say that I don't know the background of your life but I do know my Heavenly Father and I do know that he's in the delivering business. And I do know that he's in the healing business and I do know that he is able to reach out and empower our lives if it's something important to us and we press in and cry out to him. So I think I can still confidently stand up and say it is doable. I don't know your background but I know what my heavenly father's like and and I firmly believe that he doesn't ask us to do anything that we can't do. He's built something into us um, he has confidence in us and it's a matter of us being confident in what he can do in our lives. When I stood at the bottom of that, that cliff and looked up, I have to confess that I was pretty well defeated before I started. I looked up and thought, I haven't done anything anywhere near that vertical or that difficult. And so I kind of had this little bit of a Um, whimsical imagination that I was going to get to the top but if I was really truthful I I was pretty well defeated before I started I really wanted to have a go but I thought oh that just looks beyond me and um, I think I really want to go back and have another go because I've identified that was probably half the issue while I didn't um, while I was at the bottom and You know, that's not an attitude that we want to have when it comes to doing these things in God. We want to stand at the bottom of that cliff and say, I know who you are, I know what you've asked, and I know because of that I can can reach the top of this cliff. All right, so we're going to have a look at a couple of examples of a lack of self-control and then some, an example of self-control. So you probably don't have to look too far, do we, to, to um, see examples of a lack of self-control. We know we're living in a fairly ungodly world, and so 
we would expect to see a fair amount of ungodly behaviour. And um, if you want to drive through a few of um, Noosa's roundabouts, you're probably going to see some good examples of a lack of self-control straight up there. And it tends to come out when, wherever people are sharing the same kind of space, whether it be a road or a queue or, or a country or borders, that we see lack of self-control and things like road rage, all those kind of things that are just beautiful displays of lack of self-control and um, the things of the flesh dominating rather than the things of the spirit. But for our one example that I'm going to have a bit of a look at, <coughs> excuse me, for an, a person who exhibited self-control, we're going to have a little look at Noah and his life. And uh, if you go right back to Genesis, no need to read it, but it makes this... Um, claim about Noah in the scriptures. It says, Noah was a just man, perfect in all in his generation. I'm not exactly sure what that word perfect means there, but it's fairly obvious that um, God was pretty happy with the way that Noah was living his life, especially when you consider um, the environment that he was living in. You know, it was pretty much everyone around him was doing just the opposite and leading ungodly lives and to the point that God was so um, so upset with the whole thing that he just wanted to wipe them all out but he found Noah and described him as a just man who was perfect in his generation and so he he gave him this this job if you're thinking um, I don't know whether I can attain my goal put your, put yourself in Noah's position for a minute there is a big goal build an ark um, in this environment, basically save mankind, save the world. It was a pretty big call and um, thankfully Noah was up to it. But can you begin to imagine some of the self-control that Noah must have had to have exhibited in that environment? I mean, people would have been daily ridiculing him, harassing him, calling him a fool, whatever else. You know, they'd never seen a flood, they'd never seen rain, they'd definitely never seen a boat, let alone this huge boat. So there would have been a lot of times when he would have considered just giving up or thinking, you know, this is all too hard or is this what God really said? So to carry on with that, that mission, he would have ex- exhibited a lot of self-control. But he had this goal and I believe that this is kind of how it works, that when there's a goal in place in your life, it really helps empower this concept of having self-control. You've got something that you're working towards and in the things that don't fit into that, that goal, you're kind of rejecting them. You know, for, for Noah to be just laying around sleeping in every day didn't really fit into that goal of building the ark and so he had to exercise self-control to keep himself motivated. So having the goal feeds into um, keeping this aspect that God's called us to exhibit, self-control, but that self-control feeds into maintaining the goal. So it's kind of this circulatory thing that the goal helps with self-control and the goal and, and self-control helps to, to um, achieve the goal. So that's, that little picture there, I think, really helped me to understand how important one is to the other. And... Um, when I was considering that, sometimes you just think, yeah, that's, that's something that hasn't come out of my thinking. So I have this little saying, 
when I'm writing things down, I think if it's not from me, it's, yep, nice one, Holy Spirit. <laughs> it just helps me to um, remember that it, where, that, where the source is, that all good things come from our, the Father of light. So, so turn to the person next to you and say, nice one, Holy Spirit. <laughs> all right. But here's an interesting thing. So we've sort of built Noah way up here and um, what a great... What a great example to follow when we consider the um, self-control he would have had to exhibit and that he, that he stayed true to his goal and if he didn't, we wouldn't be sitting here because it was only through his efforts that mankind was saved. But if you're familiar with that story, if you move on a little bit, I think it's up in about chapter um, 9 in Genesis, Noah had a moment. Noah had a little stumble and it says that... Um, his sons found him naked and drunk in his tent. So the flood was finished. Noah came out and um, got himself established, found a place to live, must have planted some vineyards because he had some wine to drink and um, he's had a little bit of a bender and he's ended up drunk and naked um, in the tent one night. And you'd have to say that that wasn't really fitting in with the initial way he was living his life and so we were we were discussing so what happened with Noah why did he drop the ball why did that happen and it doesn't give a lot of detail but I think it's probably fair pretty fair to say that he had this huge goal this mission and it really kept him on task as far as God's calling goes but then it was all over wasn't it? it was sort of like mission accomplished give himself a pat on the back and the goal's now finished, I can kick back and relax. And then, as the scripture says, without a vision, the people perished. Perhaps Noah sort of said, well, I don't have a goal anymore. I can just relax. And self-control went out the door. And next minute we read that um, Noah had this fairly significant stumble and, um, and his sons discovered him drunk and naked in his tent. So what I really like about using Noah as our example today is that when you start thinking about self-control, there can be a little bit of condemnation that creeps in because you can start to flick over the times or the, the thing like for me, impatience, that's been a struggle for me and it keeps popping up. But, you know, people, I just, keep, I just know that I'm going to have the victory there and, and, I'm, and it's already much, much better, <clears throat> praise God. So I can look at Noah and relate to him because he had this blessing of God, he had this huge mantle on his life, but still... Uh, the beautiful truth of the word shows us that he had a stumble. And so I can relate to him and say, okay, even somebody that's um, got a calling like that on his life st still has a slip up. And I just I really like that aspect of God's word, that it's warts and all. And so we can relate to that and think, yep, can you just understand um, that there's no condemnation in me standing up here and saying, you know, let's give every effort, all diligence to um, having this fruit of the spirit of self-control because having saying that, we can still relate to uh, the real-life characters in the Bible and see that they stumbled. But you know what? Shortly after, there's not a lot more said about Noah after that, but it does say this, that he went on to live for another 350 years. I mean, if God's just throwing you out on the scrap heap, I'm not sure... You have a blessing like that upon your life. So from that, I'm reading between the lines a little bit, but from that I believe that Noah got up, 
dusted himself off, put some clothes on and got out there and had another go. And maybe, who knows, found another goal, another mission that God was calling him to. But I don't believe he just stayed in that place of being defeated, that he had a stumble, but he got up and had another go. And, um, you know, God's the God of second chance, isn't he? That we can have these stumbles, we can fail in the area of self-control, but if we continue to, to cry out to him, he's going he's gonna to take us through those areas in our life and build into us those things that he's called us to do. All right, so in my conclusion here, I just want to, I just want to touch on those, those two points that I really wanted to be take-home points for you today. And they are these, if I can just read them out to you because I've taken a moment just to write them down. All right, these life skills, fruit of the Spirit, mentioned in 2 Peter 1.5, are important to our Heavenly Father. And I'll take you back to the, scripture, the word that says giving all diligence. So these life skills, fruit of the Spirit, mentioned in 2 Peter 1.5, are important to our Heavenly Father and beneficial to our earthly and eternal lives. And the second major point that I wanted to hit on here was that they are doable because he has asked and he is our helper, almighty God. All right. I don't have anything more for you people than that. If the band wouldn't mind coming up, and I know Ben's going to wrap it up for us, I know that's probably a bit shorter than you used to, but I'm of the belief that's what God gave for me, for you this morning. So I hope you can take something from that and join me in this walk of pursuing God and what he wants to build into our lives. So thank you for listening.